All right, we are doing the story, um, which is the story of the Bible, the whole story of the Bible, and uh, today is Paul's last days, and I'm just going to let you stay seated because you just gave Anthony a standing ovation, um, but 2 Timothy 4, 1 through 8, here we go. I solemnly charge you, this is Paul to Timothy, I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus who is to judge the living and the dead and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires and will turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside to myths. But you, be sober in all things. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time for my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. Finished my race, one translation. I have kept the faith. In the future, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Would you pray with me? Lord, we thank you for your word. You have something for every heart here today. Holy Spirit, we need you. We need you to speak into each life. Lord, thank you for your tremendous patience with Anthony. And just you just waited him out and brought him around. And wow. Lord, thank you that you're also patient with us. Help us to respond to you today, I pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So in the fall of 2007, there was a computer science teacher named Randy Posh from uh, Carnegie Mellon University in in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and he was dying of pancreatic cancer. And so he called all of his students together. He was done teaching but he called all of his students together, all of his associates together, anyone he wanted, to give what he called was the last lecture. He gave it in the fall of 2007. In 2008, it became a a book called The Last Lecture, best-selling book. So he gets all these people together knowing he's dying And he gives them this last lecture, but it's funny because it's not written for them. It's not written for his associates. It's not written for his students. It's written for his children. This is is personal. Everybody gets to hear it, but it's, it's about what I want to say to my children before I die. The last 
lecture. So in 2 Timothy, Paul is knowing he's going to die soon. He is under Nero's reign. He dies. Church history tells us shortly after that he is beheaded. And he is writing a letter not to us, not to a church, not to people that he's kind of acquainted with. Let me tell you who he's writing this letter to. This is how the letter starts. He says this, to Timothy, my beloved son, I constantly remember you in my prayers night and day, longing to see you, even as I recall your tears, so that I may be filled with joy. When we think of Paul the Apostle and think of him planting all those churches and he's just kind of like this bulldozer, but there is this, this tender side. This is the most tender letter that he writes. He is writing it to his son. And when he thinks about him, his heart gets so filled because the last time he saw him, Timothy was, was weeping because they were going to be separated. And he says, I, I pray for you day and night. It, it is so easy to pray for you. You are on my heart, and I'm, I'm longing to see you one last time. I'm longing to see your face again. And he, so he's, he's writing this letter to a dear son who he wants to finish well. The title of the message today is Finishing Well. But that's not all this letter is. Just because he didn't know what he was writing, he had no idea what he was writing. God knew. This isn't just Timothy to his son. This is our Father in heaven who has seen your tears of love for him. This is our Father in heaven who longs, it says in Song of Songs, to just see your face, to just hear your voice, to see you come before him in truth and authenticity. He loves you. He, you are on his heart. He thinks about you. He is emotional. Please get rid of the idea of God just kind of being this cold judge. He is a loving, passionate father. The only reason we even have emotions is because we're made in the image of God. He's very emotional. And he's passionate about his children. And here's why this letter is part of Scripture. He loves you so much, he wants you to finish well. He doesn't, he doesn't want you to just start this journey. He doesn't want you to just have a little time where you have a good run with God and church. He is jealous for you to finish. He wants you to get every reward that he wants you to have. And so he's here today. He's here today, and he, he's got something for you. As his adopted 
child, he's got something for you to help you to finish well. So Paul says three things to Timothy. First, he says that he has fought the good fight. So point one is to finish well, you have to fight the good fight. This illusion is an illusion to us being part of not just God's family, but God's army. To finish well, you're going to have to see yourself as more than just a family member, a favored son, a favored daughter. You're going to have to see yourself as a soldier in God's army. Here's what he says in 2 Timothy chapter 2. He tells Timothy, join with me in suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. He says here in in chapter 4, endure hardship. Don't be surprised, Timothy, with difficulty. It's going to be difficult. It's going to be hard. You need to buck up. Don't be afraid of suffering. There's, there are things that are more important in this life than being comfortable. You are a soldier. He tells him in chapter 2, he says, listen, listen, my son. Everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus is going to be persecuted. Stop trying to get everybody to like you. You're going to be persecuted if you seek to live a godly life. You're going against the grain of culture. You're going against the wind. People don't like that. They don't like that. It's convicting to them. They're going to make fun of you. They're going to persecute you. Buck up. Listen to how he ends the soldier thing. He says, no one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. Soldiers don't care what civilians think about them. They don't even care what other soldiers think about them. They only respond to the commanding officer. Whatever the commanding officer says, they do that. Friends, Jesus is very, very tender. And he wants his church to embrace his tenderness and his compassion. That that needs to be a mark of the church that we're merciful people with tender hearts toward one another. But make no mistake about it. Jesus is also tough. Jesus also does tough things. He says tough things. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Jesus is so good to us and so faithful to us that he'll tell us what we need to hear, not just what we want to hear. And he's saying this to the church. Toughen up. Toughen up. I need you to be my army. I need you to be my soldier to finish well. 
He says, don't get involved in the wrong fight. Fight the good fight. How many know that a good fight is a fight you win? Paul is very conscious of this. He says in 1 Corinthians 9, I do not fight as one beating the air. And really, you read 1 and 2 Timothy, and he spends a lot of time talking about fighting in a way that you hit nothing. He warns Timothy again and again, don't get involved in the wrong fight. Look at 2 Timothy 2, 24 through 26. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but must be kind to everyone, able to teach, not resentful. Opponents must be gently instructed in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of the truth and that they will come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. First, he's saying, listen, we're not fighting people. He says that in Ephesians 6. We're not wrestling against flesh and blood. This, this is not about people. People are not your enemy, even your opponents, even those who are absolutely against you. They are not your enemy. They are captives of the enemy. Do not get involved in quarrels trying to win an argument. You can win an argument and lose a soul. Don't spend your time quibbling about words. He says this again and again to Timothy. Don't get caught up arguing from pride. When you talk to people, even people that are opposed to you, you be patient with them, you be gentle with them, and you be truthful with them. It says correct those who are in opposition with gentleness and patience. But know this, Timothy, you're not going to persuade them. You're, it's not in you to persuade them. This is a spiritual war. This is not you getting them to agree with your argument. He says, if perhaps God will grant them repentance. The, the way they come to their senses takes a revelation. So stop trying so hard to convince other people. Stop working so hard. They've got to believe it. And I, I understand it and I've experienced it. So why can't you get it? I'll tell you why. There's a blinder over their eyes. So you can afford to be gentle and patient and prayerful. Recognizing it's not on you. It's God's got to give them. God's got to speak to them. It's kind of funny how I got saved. Very filled with myself. Freshman in college. The only reason I was going to the Bible study was because I loved to argue. <laughs> I loved to argue. I loved to hear myself argue. I loved, uh, it, uh, you know, a fool does not seek understanding, but only to uh, hear himself. And that was me. And when we got done arguing, after a whole semester, I'd go down there every Thursday and we'd argue about this and argue about that and Je is Jesus the only way and da-da-da-da-da. Um, in my mind, I had won the argument. What brought me to Christ was not the argument they made. It was the way they argued. They were so patient with me. They were so loving to me. Even though I, ha I was diametrically opposed to what their opinion was, they still valued 
me, even though they didn't necessarily value my perspective. They valued who I was. Don't get involved in the wrong fight. Second, to finish well, you need to finish your race. Paul says, I fought the good fight. I have finished my race. Finishing your race first is character before ministry. It's always character before ministry. Now, it's funny because in Randy Posh's last lecture, he starts out telling about dreams and not being afraid to dream and not being afraid to go for your dream and, and uh, to, to whatever your dream was is to, to go after it. But when he brings it down to the end, he says this to them. It's not, this is a direct quote, it's not about how to achieve your dreams. It's about how to lead your life. If you lead your life the right way, the dreams will come to you. Paul says to Timothy, 2 Timothy 2, or 2 Timothy 1, he says, train yourself to be godly. You are an athlete. You're not just a soldier. You're an athlete who is in this competition called life. And you're going to have to train yourself to be godly. You're not just going to become godly. You need to actually work at it. Here's what he says in 2 Timothy 2.5. Similarly, anyone who competes as an athlete does not receive the victor's crown except by competing according to the rules. It doesn't, he says it doesn't matter how much you do as an athlete if you don't compete according to the rules. And then right after that, he gives two names of guys that, that didn't make it, that didn't finish their race. Actually, this is in 1 Timothy 1.7. They forsook a good conscience. They forsook uh, character. And because of that, he says they shipwrecked their faith. To compete as an athlete, you have to follow the rules. 1999 to 2005, seven consecutive years, Lance Armstrong won the Tour de France. One of the most rigorous sporting events in the history of sport. It is, the Tour de France is the Super Bowl, the World Series of bicycle racing. And he won it seven years in a row. And anybody that knows sports at all, he was a hero to the American people. He was the world's greatest athlete. To win that event seven times in a row, it's just like, wow, that is just, that is just amazing. And, and, uh, and he was one of ours. And then in 2012, they had a, a trial based on drug testings and he was accused and convicted of long-term use of drug 
enhancing, um, taking drug enhancing uh, pills. And all seven of his Tour de France's were stripped from him. Every, everything he did from 1999 on was stripped because he cheated. And so instead of finishing as a, a great hero, anytime his name came up, what came up was he cheated. Lance Armstrong, cheater. We have to be godly people. You can't just do ministry without character. Jesus said, many in that day are going to say to me, Lord, we spoke in your name, we served in your name, we did miracles in your name, we prophesied in your name, and he will say, Jesus said, this is to many, uh, depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. You never gave a thing about your character. You, You used my name, you used my anointing through you because you have gifts and God loves people and so he'll use you. But you, you forsook godliness. You forsook walking with me. You were illegal. You became illegal. To finish our race, to finish your race, we have to be godly people. We have to be about character. We have to be about integrity. starts with character. Character is before ministry, but, but Paul tells Timothy to fulfill his ministry. He, he talks about himself. He says, I am now being poured out as a drink offering. Timothy, I am about to depart. I'm about to die. I've given everything. I've poured out my life. Life is, in the lower story, life is defined by what you receive. And all the stuff you get, and look at that guy. He, he's really made well for himself. He's got a nice car. He's got a nice house. He's got a nice this and that. In the upper story, of the good life is not determined by what you have. It's by what you give, by what you have poured out. That's how our lives are measured. And Paul has poured everything out. He's poured himself out like a drink offering, holding on to nothing for himself. To fulfill his ministry, Paul gives him a number of things. First, that he does not, he can't give into fear or into moods. Second Timothy 1, 6 and 7, he says, For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying out of my hands. For the Spirit of God, the Spirit God gave us, does not make us timid or fearful, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. Timothy... Don't listen to the voice of fear. Don't listen. Fear will paralyze you. That's the wrong spirit. Rather, stir up that gift. You start using and keep using the gift that God has given you. Keep going. Keep using it. Do not let fear rule. When Jesus comes to the three servants... The third one that's got the one talent gives him this explanation. 
I buried your talent, and here's why. I was afraid. I was afraid, so I just kept it safe. I just kept it safe, is what he says. Here's our vernacular for that. I just played it safe. I was afraid, so I played it safe. Paul says to Timothy, listen, if you're going to do anything in this world for God, you're going to have to stir yourself up, and you're going to have to get out of the comfort zone. Use your gift. Use your gift. Don't let fear dictate. And in, in, in four, he says, don't let mood dictate. He says, listen, Timothy, preach the word. He was a pastor. Preach the word. Whether in season or out of season, fulfill your duty as a minister. What does that mean, in season or out of season? Everyone knows what that means. When you're in the mood and when you're not in the mood. God is still worthy. God is still on the throne. Your gift is still your gift, whether you're feeling it today or not. He's saying, be a soldier. The commanding officer tells you to do something. You know, I just... I feel like it would be hypocrisy because I don't really feel it today. I just, I just don't, I just, I just feel like ridiculous. No, no. He is our loving father, but he is also the general of this army. And sometimes you've got to do stuff just because he told you to do it. If I only went to Tuesday night prayer meeting when I was in the mood for Tuesday night prayer meeting, I'd probably only be there half the time. But here's the amazing thing. Of course, it's a little easier for me. It's my job to go to the Tuesday night prayer meeting. It is easier for me. Um, here's, here's, Here's the funny thing. Every time I'm there, I enjoy it, whether I was in the mood or not. And oftentimes, that's how it is with ministry. You serving, you don't want to, you don't want to. It'd be easier to do this, easier to stay at home. I'm tired, I'm exhausted. You do it anyway. And it's like, it's like you know what? That, w- that wasn't bad. Persevere. Don't give in to fear or, or moods to fulfill your ministry. Secondly, your ministry, your race. Paul finished his race. Listen to First Peter 4, 10 and 11. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides so that in all things, God may be praised through Jesus Christ. God's grace is given in various forms. Each one should use the gift they've received. Everybody has a different gift. Everybody is part of the body. Paul's race is different than Timothy's race, is different than John's race, is different than your race. We don't don't have to compare ourselves with each other. God made sure that we couldn't. He said, well, you're all part of the body. One is the little finger and one is the intestine. You don't, don't, comp- don't, don't look at each other. You guys are all complementary together. Let each one fulfill the race I've set before them. Now, 
there are many different classifications of the gifts in 1 Corinthians 12 and Romans chapter 12. Um, there's different Ephesians 4. But this is the biggest separation of, of types of gifts where Peter says, those who are called to speak, speak the very words of God. And those who are called to serve, serve with the strength God provides. Everyone, everybody in the body of Christ is going to be called on to speak and serve. But some people, their primary gifting will be speaking. The prophetic, the pastor, the evangelist, the encourager. You're going to, your gifts are going to be more vocal. And there are other gifts, the administrator, the mercy gifts, the giving gifts that are going to be the helps gift that are going to be more serving. And it's less, less talking. When Peter and John went out together, did you ever notice this? Peter always did the talking. Everybody has a place of service. You don't have to compete with somebody else's gift. Find out what your part is and do it and do it. You have to finish your race, not somebody else's. And then Paul says, thirdly, there are eternal rewards. In 2 Timothy 1.12, he says this to Timothy right after he told him to stir up his gift. He says, I know whom I have believed and I'm convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. Paul says that those in in 1 Corinthians 9, that those who are athletes run and they win a perishable wreath, which was their gold medal in that day. And he said, we're running in a way to win an imperishable one. We're, we're going to win rewards that can't be taken away for all eternity. That's why he says, train yourself. All eternity, these will not be taken away. There are gifts. I, Paul says, everything I have done, everything I've done for God, every, everything that is, I've, I, all of that is in my bank account. I've entrusted it to God against that day. That's, God will give me my reward, and it's with him. I don't think about it. I just know it's there and that it's been building. There are rewards for all eternity. So this Tuesday night, I was, uh, it was Halloween, so I did a special message on spiritual authority, and, um, and then we had prayer for people that, whatever, different types of darkness, and people that just wanted to be covered and released, so it was just a very long prayer meeting. We were done. I dismissed everybody at eight. I always do, but we prayed for another 45 minutes for people, and worship kept going, and, and it was just one of those meetings, and, but this one guy in our church. He waited until the very end. It is now 45 minutes after the service is supposed to be over. I get done praying for the last person and I'm wondering what he's waiting for. And he he comes up to me and he says, he says, there was somebody here tonight and they told me that what you spoke on was exactly what they needed to hear. He said, I just wanted to encourage you with that. And I said, bro, thank you. Thank you for waiting around to tell me that. But there's something I need to say to you. This is a man 
that none of you would recognize because he serves behind the scenes. He serves all the time. He serves on Sunday morning. He serves on Tuesday nights. He's serving behind the scenes all the time. And I just grabbed him on Tuesday night. I said, bro, there's something I need to tell you. When people get saved on Sunday morning, I want you to know that in God's economy, that's just not fruit in my account. That's fruit in your account. In God's, in God's mind, we're both doing the same thing on Sunday morning. I can't do what I'm doing without you doing what you're doing behind the scenes. You are serving this church. No one's patting you on the back down here. People encourage me all the time that they were helped or whatever. And I just said, I just, I want you to know what your account looks like in heaven. Would you mind if I pray? And I prayed for, I got to the privilege of praying for him. And there are so many in this church that are serving God unseen by everybody else, making food, serving in the nursery, serving in tech, serving in, in hospitality, serving in many, many different ways. And the Lord just wants everybody to know in his economy, what we're doing here is, is, is an amazing thing. God's doing something amazing here. And we're all going to share in the reward of what is done here. It's going to be worth it. Finish your race. And then finally, Paul says, keep the faith. I have, I have, not only have I fought the good fight and finished my race, I have kept the faith. 2 Timothy 2.15, he says, to Timothy, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. He is very concerned about how the Bible is being used. Two verses after he says this to Timothy, he gives two guys that used to be preachers that have wandered from the faith. They started, but they wandered. They got into wrong stuff. In four, he he gives the crux of it that people are going to surround themselves with teachers that will tell them what they want to hear, not according to sound doctrine, but according to their own desires. They're They're going to find teachers that will say what they want to hear. It is so important, folks, that we stay with this book and not personalities and not anointings. No matter how dynamic somebody is, no matter how spiritual they are, no matter how smart they say they are or how much they've studied or what degree they've got, when they start saying things that don't feel right, even though they're using the Bible, did you know you can use the Bible to prove anything? Pull a verse out here, a verse out here, a verse out here, and you can make, you can make everybody think the world's going to end on September 23rd. There's a whole book written on this, and it was all this awesome researcher who had gotten in and had these private revelations, and, and it was just insane, but it's amazing how many people, you, you just, you, we've got to come back to this word. Not part of it, not the part we like, the whole truth. 
We don't judge this word. This word judges us. Paul says to Timothy at the end of chapter 3, right before our passage, that the, the word of God, every word of God, what, what are we, can we get that Second Timothy 3.16? It would be really bad to misquote it. If you guys can't find it, I'll get it. I'll get it because I got it right here. There it is. All scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuke, and correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Paul is one of the main things he's concerned about in his, his last lecture, his last words, is this powerful thing about teaching and about how we need to be careful. He says to Timothy, watch over your life closely. Watch closely over your life and your doctrine. This is 1 Timothy 4.16. Watch over your life. Make sure your character is right, that you're living right, that you're not cutting corners. And watch over your doctrine. And, and, and persevere in that. And by so doing, you will save yourself and your hearers. Keep doing the right thing. Keep keep it about the word of God. Preach the word. Not preach your latest experience or your latest revelation or or your opinion or somebody else's opinion. Preach the word. Stay with the word. Everything else has to be fleshed out because it points to that's why we always start with the word of god the authority is in the word not in somebody's experience it's in the word and experience can back up and the truth that that word is bringing out but the word is always first paul says if i or an angel of heaven give you something other than this i don't care if they've seen an angel uh it's wrong (laughs) and then the crown of righteousness He says that I am receiving from the Lord the crown of righteousness, and not just me, but everyone who's longed for his appearing. Let's talk about the crown of righteousness and we'll be done. Paul says this, Philippians 3. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Listen not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. Paul says, this is what I'm living for. That when I die, or when Jesus comes back, that I might be found in him. And then he says, this is what this looks like. I've taken all trust out of my own righteousness, out of the righteousness that comes through the law. The law is performance. All confidence out of how much I could do for God or how much I could get right with God. And all of my confidence now is in what Christ has done for me, what Jesus did on the cross for me. That is my righteousness. And all I want to do is I want to be found in him. 
I don't want to let go of that. I don't want to get filled with myself and filled with me and my thing. I want to be found in Christ's, wrapped up in Christ's righteousness. 2 Corinthians 5.21, Paul says, He who knew no sin became sin in order that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Jesus Christ makes us righteous. And Paul says, for everybody that has clung to his righteousness, forsaking their own, for everybody, well, for one thing, it does, it makes you long for his appearing because you're you're excited about his coming because you know you're making it. You know, you're confident you're making because you realize this isn't about how good I am. It's about how good he is. I'm making it. And he said, there's a crown. This one you get for free. This one you don't earn it. He earned this one for For every single one that is found in Christ, they get the crown of righteousness. Everyone that's longed for his appearing. God doesn't want you to leave this building without that crown. Could we just bow our heads for a moment? Martin Luther said there are two days important on my schedule. Today and that day. Paul Paul lived this way. In light of his appearing and his coming kingdom, I'm writing this to you. So maybe you're here today and you don't know that you're saved. You don't know that you're forgiven. You don't know that, that you are, have given up, completely given up on your own works, your own religion, your own effort, and are trusting what Christ did for you. You don't know that Jesus has made you born again and clothed you with his own righteousness. This is his gift to you. He loves you. He wants you to finish well. But the very beginning of this thing is getting made right with him through Christ. So if that's you, you're not sure, the Bible says Jesus stands at the door and knocks, and if anyone hears his voice and opens the door, he will come in. If Jesus is knocking today, and you want to receive his gift, you want to open the door and receive his righteousness, would you just raise your hand real high right now, long enough for me to see it? I'm going to pray a prayer for all those people. See that hand. God bless you. You can put that hand down. Thank you. Anybody else by upraised hand? I'd like those that raise their hand to just put your hand over your heart and pray something like this. Lord, thank you for knocking on my door. Lord, I forsake all of the works of the law. I forsake all of my performance that would somehow earn my way into your presence. And God, right now, I just, I just own that I am a sinner and that I can't get to you by myself. But I also own that you love me and that you came to this earth and you died on the cross in my place so that you could give me right standing with yourself. Jesus, I open my door. Come in and save me and wash me and cleanse me and wrap me up in your righteousness. I receive this by faith right now in Jesus' name, amen. And could we stand together? 
The second call is simply this. You are in the middle of a battle, a fierce battle. It might be at work. It might be with family. It might be with uh, your just a, a battle with busyness because you're so distracted because your life is just... And you, you, you want to today, you want Jesus not to just make you his favorite child. You want him to make you a soldier. You want to be a soldier. Maybe you've been very afraid of suffering. If I do the right thing, I might suffer. I might lose my job. I might da-da-da-da-da. And, and Jesus wants to take away the fear of suffering today. And he wants to make us his soldiers. If that's you, would you just open your arms like this? We're going to pray. Lord, thank you for your amazing tenderness. Thank you for your great love. Thank you that you've seen our tears. There's a longing in your heart for relationship with us. But today, God, we also thank you for your toughness. God, we thank you that you can make us tough. You can make us to persevere. You can make us so that we don't whine all the time at the least thing that doesn't go our way, but that we just give all of our suffering to you as part of our worship to you. We don't want to be complainers. We don't want to be looking for the easy path. So God, would you remove the fear of suffering today? Lord, would you remove the fear that it's not going to go exactly how I wanted it to go? I'll guarantee you it's not going to go exactly how you want it to go. Just lay that down at the cross right now. Lord, it will be enough that I'm your soldier. And you're not given rewards because of gifts. You're given rewards because of faithfulness. Help us to be faithful to the gift you gave us, to steward it rightly, that you, one day you will say to us, well done, good and faithful servant. Lord, I, I pray for everybody that's felt bad or condemned, that they're not a better speaker or better this or better that. Or, Lord, wash all that away. God, we're in this We rejoice in each other's gifts. Now help us to stir up our own gift. For some, I don't even know what my gift would be. What, What grace is there that's special in me? Lord, would you make us aware of what our gift is and give us opportunities to serve and to speak as you lead us. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen, guys. God bless you. Have a great day.